Welcome to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com, where we answer the questions you ask about Metro Phoenix. I'm your host, Kayla White. The Valley is home to a bunch of unique buildings that catch the eye, like Frank Lloyd Wright designed homes or a pyramid that's also a tomb. But in this episode, we're looking at one of the most mysterious old buildings in the Valley, a castle. You've probably noticed the castle while driving along Loop 202 Freeway as it curves near Van Buren and 52nd Streets by the Papago Buttes. So we are in the midst of 44 acres with a castle in the middle of it. That castle is 5,000 square feet. It's five stories, including the cupola, and they're all built on top of each other. It is not round. It's actually rectangular. The building kind of looks like a wedding cake plopped on top of a hill in the middle of a really well-maintained cactus garden. It's even painted a soft yellow reminiscent of buttercream. Okay, what is that castle near Loop 202? We're at Tovery Castle at Carraro Heights. It's the jewel of the Sonoran Desert. It's one of those places that everybody has heard about, but not everybody knows the true story. That's my tour guide, Tamra Zivik. She's the woman with the keys to this place. How many keys do you have? About 40. Well, the older the house, every lock is different, made in place, and they can't be duplicated. Tamara said a lot of people don't know what the castle is, so plenty of rumors surround it. Well, we always get that it was Al Capone's hideout. That's a biggie. Um, Other things that people talk about is that they thought it was going to be a gambling hall at one time. Maybe that's the Al Capone side of it. It's a castle with a rich history, and it's a big deal. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. The story of the castle is told in three parts, and all three parts are reflected in its current name, Tovri and Carraro and Heights. And it starts in 1907. So you know the drill. Let's go back in time. Part one. In 1907, a couple named F.L. and Lizzie Warner came to the area now around the castle, but which back then was nothing, pretty much desert. They built a home and established a homestead. For those who don't remember, myself included, the 1862 Homestead Act let any American claim up to 160 acres of federal land for free if they met certain requirements, like living there for five years and farming the land. So that's what the Warners did. They acquired more land, and in 1926, they subdivided part of the homestead and called it Warner Heights. Part two. So in 1927, there was a young man named Alessio Carraro. He was an immigrant from Italy, had been working in San Francisco, and had made a fortune in the steel business during the San Francisco earthquake. He was quite an entrepreneur and really wanted to put his stamp on something. When he heard about all of the building going on in Arizona, he came out with his son, Leo, and they decided that this would be a great place to have a castle. The Warner family sold part of their land to Alessio Carraro. When they sold it to Alessio Carraro, his idea was to build a castle 
and make it a boutique hotel. And then of the 277 acres that he purchased, you would buy a home site and the castle would be the centerpiece. So it was really meant to just be a boutique hotel where you came, spent a little bit of time, fell in love with the desert and then came back and built your own house. If you think about it, his hotel idea was brilliant. In the late 1920s, the luxurious Hotel Westward Ho, the Orpheum Theater, and the Arizona Biltmore had just been built. The beginnings of what is now the airport were being built nearby. Phoenix was in a boom. So Alessio Carraro built the property, it was pretty much done, and then we had the 1929 depression. His hopes for people coming out and traveling, enjoying the desert, checking into his hotel, buying home sites and having their own homes built just went out the window when the depression hit. Alessio tried to attract visitors but just couldn't. So he put 44 acres and the castle up for sale. And now to part three. Enter Edward Ambrose Tovery. He was born in 1861 in Illinois and started life in the Midwest working on a cattle ranch. He moved out west to Arizona and worked as a butcher in Jerome, where he was so popular that at the turn of the 20th century, he was the mayor of Jerome. He later lived in Bisbee for a while and had a butcher shop there. E.A. Tovery did not start out wealthy at all. He had an affinity for butchering, and that's how he built his business. He worked very, very hard and had a real reputation for being one of those guys that his word was his bond. He moved to Phoenix and founded a meatpacking company in 1919 in the area that is now about Van Buren and 48th Streets. It processed tens of thousands of head of cattle a year. At one time, the Tovery Packing Company, which became the Arizona Packing Company, hired and employed more people in Arizona than anyone else. So they did acquire quite a bit of wealth. It just so happened that Tovery's stockyards and packing company were right by the castle, and he had his eye on it. Alessio decided to cut his losses and sell the castle and 44 acres to E.A. and his second wife, Della, in 1931. Now Alessio went ahead and sold off some of the property as well as traded for different pieces of land throughout the state. He also did some water witching after that. Alessio eventually moved to Yarnell, about 80 miles north of Phoenix, and built Carraro's Grotto, a rock wonderland that still stands today. So there you have it. The Warner family acquired the land and named it Warner Heights. Alessio Carraro built the castle on it, and the Tovery family owned and lived in the castle. That's how we get the modern name, Tovery Castle at Carraro Heights. The Tovery's had the longest history with the castle. When they moved into the castle in 1931, EA brought with him a big silver bell that Tamara said miners and Jerome gifted him when he left. It still sits outside. EA was a couple decades older than Della, and he lived in the castle with her for less than a year before he died. Della was a widow for about four years, and then she remarried. She married the publisher of the Prescott Courier, William Plato Stewart. We know here in the castle that they spent most of their time in the basement because it was cooler, and it was a place where it was a lot larger than any of the other ones. At that time, we still had all of the upper levels, but we understand that Della loved to shop, 
and those levels were full of all kinds of clothing and other purchases, most of them with the tag still on. The couple lived there seasonally for decades, and eventually Della was widowed again. Tamara told me a popular story from the 1960s when Della was living there alone, and she was in her late 70s. And so one night in November of 1968, she had not gone out of town as was expected, and some folks who thought that she was going to be gone decided that they were going to rustle through the place and decide what they wanted to take. The robbers entered through the cupola at the top of the building. And it was dark, it was stormy, it was a big night for rain, the telephone lines were down, the electricity was out. She thought maybe that's what was upsetting the, the pup, but in fact it was the guys coming in. And when the dog ran out into the hallway, she followed and met the burglars in the hallway. They backed her up into the kitchen, dumped out the dog food from the um, Hayden Mill sacks that it was in, made a mess, took all of her silver, her jewelry, cash, went down to the basement, got the furs out of the safe down there, tied her up upstairs and left. Della broke free and tried to call her caretakers who lived down the hill, but the phones were down. So she ran out front and rang the bell that had come from the mines in Jerome and were given to her husband, EA. They didn't come running to help her with that. She's nearly 80, she's in her nightgown, it's storming, it's raining. She runs all the way down the hill and gets the caretakers. They take their car and go and get the police. Police come. They caught one of them. He had melted down the silver into a coffee can. It was quite heavy, and, uh, but they never caught the second guy. Della caught pneumonia and died shortly after, in 1969. The Tovery heirs owned the property, and E.A. Tovery's great-grandson, Phil Tovery, was the castle's caretaker for years. He changed windows and light bulbs, but it's a big property. The castle deteriorated, getting leaks and termites. In the late 80s, trustees overseeing the castle applied to be allowed to do commercial development on the land. Suddenly, people realized the castle could be sold to developers and changed, or worse, demolished. And a lot of developers wanted to purchase this property. It's unique. Some wanted to save the castle. Others wanted to mow it over and just put up garden apartments, anything like that, that might help grow the area. And the citizens of Phoenix said, no way. We want our castle to stay. In 1989, Phoenix voters approved a proposition to create a fund the city could use to buy historic properties. The castle received historic overlay zoning, and in 1993, the city bought the castle and a few acres around it. Over the next decade, the city bought more land around the castle, and in the 2000s, they started restoring the castle. The city stripped asbestos paint from it, installed air conditioning, repaired holes in the ceiling, and a lot more. And by 2010, the visitor center was being built, but there was no money in the city coffers to be able to open it to the public after all that time because we had our own depression. Phoenix had to cut budgets during the recession, and opening Tovery Castle to the public wasn't high priority. So at that point, the city of Phoenix said, we need help, and Tovery Carraro Society was born. We're a nonprofit that was started just to do what we're doing. We operate and manage the castle and the grounds. 
We give tours, events, we have special group tours, all kinds of different things going on on the property five out of the seven days a week. The Tovri Carraro Society hosted the first tours inside the castle in decades, in 2012, the year Arizona was celebrating its centennial. I asked Tamara, what's the most common question tourgoers ask? Why in the world would anybody build a castle in the desert? And it really goes back to the fact that Mr. Carraro saw something that other people didn't. He saw that the city was growing, and indeed now we're really in the heart of three different cities. We have Tempe, Scottsdale, and Phoenix right around us. He really wanted to have a castle that other people could enjoy, and that's why it was a hotel rather than a residence. So he was quite a visionary when he was building this castle. They release 10,000 tickets a year for tours of the castle. It sounds like a lot, but they're very hard to get. Recently, tickets sold out in nine minutes. But because we've had some articles that have hit worldwide, we have visitors coming in from Yugoslavia, from London, from Germany, all over. Yes, it's hard to get tickets. But don't worry, I can take you behind the scenes. Tamara gave us a tour of the castle and the grounds as they are today. Walk with me. It also truly is rich with Arizona history and what the land was like back when, and that we have our own preserve here with all of the kinds of animals that you ordinarily don't see in the city anymore. We have the javelina, we have the coyotes, we have the squirrels and the rabbits. Was that a coyote that walked past us while we were walking in? Yes, it was. We have actually two coyotes that gave birth to six pups, and we've been watching them grow since April. They're very good about staying away from us, but they are very curious as well. At the entrance to the castle are a set of gray terrazzo stairs. She said the marble is from Italy. So these first entry steps would have been where you entered into the hotel and you would have been greeted by staff who would have taken your belongings and taken them up to your room. There are only eight rooms in the hotel, so you know that there was only gonna be a small, short stay. We walked in the back door to the castle and had to put on little blue booties over our shoes, like you do in a hospital, so that we wouldn't get the original maple floors dirty. It's surprisingly bright inside, thanks to all the windows. The main room is filled with exhibits about the castle and the Tovries, including a dress that once belonged to Della. The inside is decorated in an art deco style, with vintage wall sconces and a faux fireplace. To me, it didn't feel like a fancy European castle. It feels Arizonan. City code doesn't let tours go to the upper floors, but we did go down a steep, narrow staircase into the basement. That's pretty bright too, and filled with exhibits. Tamara told me about how Alessio was a bit eccentric when it came to designing the castle. Funny story, he chose the height of the basement because he had gotten a refurbished safe door from the Phoenix National Bank, and it was only so high, so that's how high he wanted the basement to be. He recycled and he reused all of the things that he possibly could. The basement has three tunnels that lead to the outside, or I guess they're more like short hallways where you can easily walk out to the cactus garden. The view is amazing. 
So to the north, we have a beautiful view of Camelback Mountain. And as you turn northeast, you see the Papago Buttes. If you keep going all the way to the east, you see the Hunt's tomb where Governor Hunt is buried. That's one of the reasons we have a pyramid on our site was E.A. Tovery wanted to have his own tomb here. Unfortunately, he couldn't do that. As you move to the south, you're actually able to pick up parts of South Mountain. And then when you fall to the west, you get to see downtown Phoenix as well as the light rail stations. When I was there, I was daydreaming and thinking, if this really was a boutique hotel, I would totally stay here. I'd rent the whole place out for a party and convince my friends to buy plots of my land and build a homestead right next to me. I get it. Isn't it beautiful? Can you imagine staying here as a guest and coming out and enjoying all of this? Especially this time of year. Summer might have been a little more difficult. I asked Tamara if any famous people have visited the castle, and she said yes. Bon Jovi. What? Yeah, they loved it. They loved it. Really? Yeah. Every city that they're in, they try to do some kind of service project with their team. And we happened to be the one that they chose a few years ago. They had a blast. If you want to try to visit the castle, the next round of tickets are for summer 2020, and they go on sale December 2nd. And if you don't get tickets on the first try, please be patient. So when those tickets go out and we put them out uh, 4,000 at a time, the lucky people that get those in just a very few minutes now, the ones that don't get those tickets sometimes are not very nice to us. And I guess what I'd like to say is that we're real people here and that those things sting and that we're doing our best to get as many people through the doors as we possibly can. While it is difficult to get a ticket to visit the castle, there is a simpler way to connect with the Tovery's history here in Phoenix. You can go to the Stockyards restaurant right next door. It opened in 1947 to support E.A. Tovery's Stockyards, then became a steakhouse and saloon popular with cattlemen, bankers, and politicians. It was restored in 2004 and still serves cocktails and meaty dinners. Well, there you have it. Now you know all about the castle that so many of us pass all the time on the freeway. It started with a visionary immigrant's dream and hard work. It survived the Great Depression thanks to a big-time cattle baron and his family. And it lives on today after two decades of hard work from historic preservationists. We feel like when we take people on a tour, they're going back in time a little bit to a time maybe that they'd heard about from their grandparents or their great-grandparents but never would have known what it was like to live in homes like this. I guess I wish that people knew how much history really was here and how important it is to the future of Arizona as well. How we treat land like this throughout Arizona is so important and that building and growing is important, but it's also important to have those things that once were right in front of us rather than just pictures. Well, that's it for today. 
If you want to see photos and a video from inside the castle, I'll put a link to them in the show notes for this episode. They're from a monthly series called Hidden Gems, which explores Arizona's most delightful overlooked places. But you do have to be a subscriber to azcentral.com to see it. You see, this summer, the Arizona Republic started offering some of our best work exclusively for subscribers, almost like a thank you for supporting our work. Yes, this podcast is free, but subscribers do support the Valley 101 team's salaries. If you're interested in becoming a subscriber, visit azcentral.com join. As always, thank you for listening to Valley 101, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. See you next week.